If you've got your Bibles with you today, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we're in a series of studies here on Sunday mornings at the beginning of 2024 uh, on spiritual disciplines that we've entitled Start Your Engines. It was kind of hard to get your engine started this morning, wasn't it? But start your engines. And so this is a, a series on spiritual disciplines. You might refer to these as holy habits. We uh, do this every single January. We've been doing this now for over a decade uh, here at the beginning of a new year. And again, we've entitled this series to tell you, Start Your Engines. We began this study uh, by looking at why you should and how you can get on track in 2024 through studying God's Word. Uh, and then last week, we saw why you should and how you can stay in touch with God through prayer and meditation. So when you put all those together, uh, you're hiding God, you're reading God's Word, you're hiding God's Word in your heart, you are meditating and memorizing in the Word of God, you are thinking Scripture, you are praying scripture, you're thinking Bible, and then next week we're going to finish our study by learning why you should give your life to living on task, or as my friend Jason Duke says, living sent uh, for God through witnessing. Now, this morning you're there in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, and I want you to see why you must and how you can move in tune, or as my NASCAR fans would say, draft uh, with the person and purpose of God through serving Him and others. So, if you were to ask NASCAR fans to list the top three greatest drivers of all time, you, you might have some consensus, you might have a little bit of argument, but I, I've got three to share with you this morning. We're going to start at the bottom. I put Jimmy Johnson at number three, car number 84 now, 48 when he had his 83 wins. Jimmy Johnson is tied with our other top two to claim seven cup series championships, which, by the way, is more than enough to slot him at number three, right? Uh, dominated in the 2000s, winning five straight driver championships from 2006 to 2010. Number three, Jimmy Johnson. Okay, I'm all right with the crowd so far. You okay with that? All right, number, number two, Richard Petty. Card number 43, 200 wins. Any Petty fans in the house? Can I see your hands uh, this morning? I see those hands. Uh, 200 wins. Petty won a record seven driver championships across his illustrious NASCAR career, putting him near the top of any all-time ranking, holds the record for race wins, dominating the Daytona 500 in particular, winning that race seven uh, separate times. His best season came in when? When was his best season? 1967, when he won an incredible 27 races. Number one. Should not be any argument in the house this morning unless I can make you mad. I could change this right here and make a whole lot of people mad, right? Number one, Dale Earnhardt Sr. Did I get a, hey, Kim, all right? And some of y'all, I see some hands. I so, anyway, car number three, 76 wins. The senior Earnhardt is tied for the most driver's championships of all time. No other racer's name uh, who is as ubiquitous and synonymous with NASCAR as Earnhardt. Even though he, pale, he, he trails Petty in wins by a significant amount, the impact that Earnhardt Sr. had on NASCAR, arguably bigger than anyone in sports history. Tragically, his life, of course, was cut short uh, after an accident in 2001 at the Daytona 500. So if you were to go to Pit Road, and if you were to ask those folks there, what is the secret of greatness? Pit Road would say to you, wins and lots of them. If you were to go to Wall Street and ask the folks on Wall Street, hey, what is the secret of greatness? They would say money and lots of it. If you were to go to Washington and say, what is the secret of greatness? They would say political clout, raw political power. If you were to go to Hollywood and ask, what is the secret of greatness? Hollywood would say 
fame. And yet the greatest man who ever lived, Jesus Christ, had this to say in Matthew 20, verse 26. He said, whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. So success and greatness in the kingdom of God is far different than what it is on planet earth in god's kingdom there is no easy way there is no easy path to the top in order to get to the top in god's eyes you've got to take the stairs of service so what did jesus say again in mark chapter 10 verse 45 jesus said for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many and so the secret of greatness are you listening say amen the secret of greatness in the kingdom of God is not how many servants you have, but what kind of servant you are. Remember John chapter 13? I'll give you an example. John 13, Jesus comes walking in there in the upper room. You got the disciples. Jesus comes in walking in, wearing a towel. He's got a basin of water, a bowl of water. And uh, Peter, being Peter, Peter looks up and says, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> what's up? And Jesus said, well, we're about to wash each other's feet. And Peter says, I ain't washing nobody's feet. I'm not even washing yours. And Jesus says, you're right. Peter, I'm going to wash your feet. And so let me ask you a question here at the beginning of this morning's message. Are you more interested in being served in a church or are you more interested in being a servant in the church? First grade teacher asked her class one day, what they did to help out around the house. And so the, the answer started flying in. Well, I take out the trash, I feed the dog, uh, I, I, I sweep up, I do the dishes, and this little boy sitting over in the corner, and he wasn't saying anything. And, and the teacher said, well, what do you do to help out around the house? He said, he said I stay out of the way. <laughs> and you know, far too many churches that we have, far too many people who just stay out of the way. Gallup poll found that only 10% of church members are active in any kind of personal ministry in the church. And here's what's really shocking. Same poll, they discovered that 50% said that they are not active, not interested even in being active in any kind of ministry in the church. 50% of the people who are on the rolls of our churches say they're not interested, they're not active, don't want to be serving in any capacity in the church. So, let me just say this to you this morning. Here at Abilene, we believe that every member is a minister and every single member should be involved in a ministry. And I'll just go ahead and say this to you this, this, this morning. There is no excuse for a saint refusing to serve. No excuse that you could give that God would accept for refusing to serve. And so here's what I want to do real quickly here uh, this morning. I want to share with you four reasons why you should determine to become the minister that God wants you to be and involved in the ministry that God has for you here at Abilene Baptist Church. Because again, we've been here for 250 years on this corner in this community for 250 years. And one of our foundational building blocks of ministry is that of service. And so jot down a few things here this morning. Jot down this first thing. Number one, a sovereign God expects me to minister to others. Just jot that down there somewhere. A sovereign God expects me to minister to others. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, look in verse 12. Because in verse 12, he tells us why we have evangelists and pastors and teachers and missionaries. It is, he says, for the work, or rather for the equipping of the saints, for the work of 
the ministry. So you were created for ministry. Earlier in Ephesians, back in chapter 2, Paul said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And so ministry and service is your very reason for existence. So everything that God creates, God creates for a purpose, right? So God creates birds to sing and bees to make honey and cows to give milk. He creates fish to swim. He creates dogs to retrieve ducks. Uh, everything that God creates, God creates for a purpose. And God created you for service, for ministry. God designed you to make a difference. God made you the way that you are so that you could do what he wants you to do. So, 250 years, let me remind you of our mission and ministry. Abilene Baptist Church exists for the purpose of bringing people to Jesus and building them up into fully mature, reproducing followers of Christ. That's why we exist. We exist to bring people to Jesus and to build them up into mature Christians who reach other people for Christ. In other words, we're here to make you different, help make you different, so that you can make a difference. That's why you were created. But it's also why you are called to ministry. The call to salvation and the call to service are one and the same. When Jesus Christ came there in the Gospels, and he's calling his disciples. Remember what he said there in Mark chapter 1? In Mark chapter 1, he said, Follow me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. So there's the call to salvation, follow me. And then there's the call to service, fish for men. And every single Christian has been called to minister, and every Christian has been given and called to ministry. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, that every single person is going to be a, an ordained pastor or serve full-time on staff at a church. But what it does mean is that every single Christian is called to full-time Christian service. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 7? Paul said in Romans 7, he said, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So what did Paul say? Paul said this, Now you belong to him in order that you might be useful in his service. Every Christian is to serve the Lord full time. And in God's ministry, there are no part-timers, half days, holidays, nine-to-five rules. There is no, you can't go on strike. You can't even retire. Why? Because a sovereign God expects me to minister to others. Jot down this second thing. Number two, saving grace enables me to minister to others. So a sovereign God expects me to minister to others. Number two, Saving grace enables me to minister to others. So Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9. He said, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now, holy calling there simply refers to ministry. And what you'll find as you study the Bible is that in the Bible, the word ministry is the same as the word service, and the word service is the same as the word ministry. A servant in the Bible is a minister, and a minister in the Bible is a, is a servant. And one of the most misunderstood words in our day-to-day -day is the word minister. Because most of the time, people use it as just another word or a synonym uh, for an ordained pastor, somebody who is ordained. And whenever they use it that way, they show that they misunderstand what the word really means. It might come as a surprise for you this morning, but the word minister comes from a Latin word that simply means servant that's based on the root word minus, which actually means less. 
And so technically, a minister is someone of lesser rank or status who simply wants to serve and not be served. Look here. You were not saved to sit, soak, and sour. You were saved to serve. So many times people will come down at the end of the service and will say, hey, have a seat right here. And that's where they stay. They don't get up. They don't do anything else. They just stay right there. You've not been saved to sit soaking sour. You've been saved to serve. Think about this. Why doesn't God take you to heaven the moment you get saved? I mean, that'd be pretty cool, right? I mean, just like Star Trek. You come down the front, give your heart to Jesus, gone. It would kind of be cool, right? Have you ever wondered why God doesn't do that? Can I tell you why? Because God still has a ministry for you to do. God has a service for you to do. You know why God calls you to a church? Because there's something there in that church that God wants you to do. You know why God brings needy people across your path during the week? Because God wants you to serve outside the church. And contrary to what a lot of false religions teach, you're not saved by serving, but you are saved to serve. You're saved to serve. And so, number one, a sovereign God expects me to minister to others. Number two, saving grace enables me to minister to others. Number three, spiritual guides equip me to minister to others. So, i got to be very honest with you and tell you, I'm a little stoked. This is my favorite part of the sermon. So, I know that sometimes I'm not transparent enough. My wife, I go home, and you tattletales walk out of here and go, you won't believe what he said today. Y'all, we're going to have a talk about that one day. So I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning and just say this is my favorite part of the entire message because here's what I get to do. I get to show you what God wants from me and what God wants from you. Now listen real carefully to our passage this morning, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12. Are y'all still with me? Say, uh-uh. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying, that means the building up of the body of Christ. And so what you basically have here is the job description for both the pastor and the people. And there are two things that I want you to notice real quickly. Number one, first of all, I want you to notice that it is God's people who must assume the work of the ministry. In other words, I'm not here, big surprise, I'm not here to do the ministry of the church. I'm here to give my ministry to the church. Big difference. Big difference. The ministry of the church does not belong to the pastor. It belongs to the people, which leads to the second truth. My number one job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's the primary job of the staff, to prepare you for the work of the ministry. See, some people have the idea that the pastor serves the church by doing the ministry of the church. Listen real carefully. If the staff and the pastor do the ministry of the church, we will not be serving you, we'll be crippling you. Why? Because we will not only be doing what you are supposed to be doing, We'll be neglecting what we are supposed to be doing. So you're going to want to be here tonight or a four-hour sermon next week. So my, my, past, my, my father in the ministry, Dr. Merritt, has a statement, and I absolutely love it. He said, you know, we had the first Reformation that put the Word of God back in the hands of the people of God. Now we need a second Reformation that will put the work of God 
back in the hands of the people of God. And so a sovereign God expects me to minister to others. Saving grace enables me to minister to others. Number three, spiritual guides equip me to minister to others. And then number four, supernatural gifts empower me to minister to others. So not only has God given you equippers to help you do the ministry of the church, that's the pastor and the staff, who serve under him, but God has also given you the equipment to do the ministry of the church called spiritual gifts. Now, time out. If you'll remember, what, four years ago, we had just started our series of sermons on spiritual gifts. We were two studies into it, and COVID hit, and we stopped, and we haven't gone back yet. How many of y'all are still mad about that? Can I see your hands? I have people all the time. When are we going to go back? So we were talking about spiritual gifts when COVID hit. And if you remember, Paul said in Romans 12, verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Every Christian is gifted. We don't all have the same gifts, but we are all equally gifted in the sense that God has given us the abilities and the gifts that we need to do what he wants us to do in the body of of Christ. God never wastes anything. And every spiritual gift and natural ability that you have, God has given to you to be used in the ministry. Peter said this way. He said in 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Spiritual gifts, in spite of what some of my friends say. So, I was raised in West Tennessee. All my running buddies were Assemblies of God and Pentecostals and those kind of guys. That's why I don't preach like a Baptist. I preach like an Assemblies of God, right? And I would say to you this morning that some of my buddies are wrong, that spiritual gifts have not been given for your enjoyment. Spiritual gifts have been given for His employment. To be used in His service. Not so you can have a fuzzy and a warm fuzzy. And feel good and they've been given to use in the ministry of God I love Christmas right now there was a day where I was a Grinch I hated it I didn't like it but then kids came along and changed everything it works that way right and so um, I love Christmas my favorite time of the year and one of my favorite things is that you have the tree all decorated. That's Kim's job. And then my job is the gift. So this year, Kim kept, kept she said, how much are you going to buy this year? I said, stay off my Amazon, right? And so I love seeing the tree up and all the gifts underneath the tree. And here's what I've learned. You can have the most extravagant, expensive gift on the face of the planet but if it remains unopened, it's absolutely worthless. And here at Abilene, we are determined to help you discover your gift and develop your gift and deploy your gift in the service of others. And here's what I've noticed. Two reasons why church members get frustrated and irritated and, and lose interest in the church. Either, number one, they've never discovered their spiritual gift. They don't know what it is. Or number two... They have discovered it, and either they're not using it or they're using it in the wrong place. And so you need to make sure that whatever you do in the church, two things are true. Number one, that you have the giftedness and the ability for it. 
You can't do everything. There are certain things that you're not gifted to do. There are certain things that I can't do. And as Clint Eastwood said, a man has to know his limitations. Right? There are certain things you don't want me doing. You don't want me running that soundboard upstairs. You think it's loud now? Let me get a hold of it. You don't want me singing anymore. All this yelling and screaming over the years, my voice is gone. You don't want me singing anymore. There are certain things you don't want me doing. And so you've got to know, first of all, what are you gifted at? What do you have a natural ability to do? And then number two, you've got to have a passion for it, a passion for it. I had a guy come to one of my buddies, my pastor buddies one day, and he said, Preacher, do you think it's a sin to play golf on Sundays? And my pastor buddy looked back at him and said, From what I've heard, it's a sin for you to play golf on any day of the week. <laughs> This past week, so it's 11 o'clock, I can say this now. This past week, I took Laura, Kate, and Jack, and we flew out to Stuttgart, Arkansas, met my brother Paul out there to hunt ducks for a couple of days. My middle brother Craig was supposed to be there, but Craig does what Craig does, and Craig didn't even show up, and so that's, that's just par for the course for Craig. And so um, uh, got out there. I can tell you what not to eat. You'll get food poisoning. I'll just say that for you this morning, all right? I can tell you what not to eat and where not to eat in Stuttgart, Arkansas. And, uh, but it was six degrees in Stuttgart, Arkansas, Wednesday morning. Early Thursday morning, it decided it wanted to get back there close to it. Wednesday night, the geese were flying. Any hunters in here, you like this? Can any hunters in here, am I going to bore you? Any hunters in here? So we killed a nine-person limit on specs Wednesday afternoon. That's pretty good, right? Got up Thursday morning. Nothing flying, I mean cold, electric socks not even working, it's cold, nothing's flying, no wind, it's not, not fun. Thursday night, ducks started flying again. Friday morning, ducks started flying again. We killed a bunch of ducks and a bunch of geese. Can I tell you what I learned on that trip? If you don't have a passion for hunting, you're not going to sit in 6, 8, 10 degree weather when ducks are not flying. Can I get an amen in the house this morning? Some of y'all are going, I don't care if the sky is black with them. I am not going in 6 degree weather, right? Can I get an amen? Raise your hand, right? I see that hand. Ministry is the same way. It takes passion and it takes purpose. And so first of all, this church needs you involved in ministry let's go back to nascar for a second you can be the greatest driver on the face of the planet and if you don't have a good team knowing how to work together you'll never win any race even if you're the best driver in the world you may not know how to get that lug nut off as fast as you need to you might have been able to get the fuel dropped as fast as you need to you may not be able to get that car drive you realize that in 2023 crazy the average pit stop on a nascar race was 10 seconds to 14 and change a little over 10 seconds to 14 and change. It takes me three hours to change one tire. They change all four in under 15 seconds. So you've got to have all these folks who know their gifting, know what they can do, how they can do it, working together in order to win those races. And the same thing is true of a church. That you've got to know what you can do, what do you like to do, and then find that place to do it. Do you like to talk to folks 
hold a door and greet people coming in? Do you like to hold babies and love on babies? We've got tons of babies that need to be held and loved on every week. You like teaching children. We've got people that, that places for you to serve in children's church and all those sorts of things. You like teaching. You like singing. You see, you find what you love to do, that you're gifted to do, and then you plug in and you do it. Because what is true of a racing team is true of the church. The other thought that I want you to carry home with you this morning is this, that you need to ask God, if you don't already have it, to get, give you the attitude of a servant. Everybody says, well, I, I want to be a servant until somebody treats you like one, right? See, it's rare air for somebody to actually like being treated like a servant. Normally, when people go looking for a church, their very first question is this, what can this church do for me how can this church meet my needs but when you get to the stage of maturity where you ought to be as a christian you'll begin to ask this question how can i be used in this church to meet the needs of others so the immature christian asks who why who's going to meet my needs the mature christian asks whose needs can i meet and i'll tell you how you can get your needs met when you begin to worry about the needs of others, God will meet all of your needs. You know, we're so obsessed with living as long as we can, so we do everything. We watch our diet, we exercise, we take vitamins. And if you don't hear anything else that I say here this morning, don't miss this. What matters most is not how long you live, but how how you live it is not the duration of your life that matters most it is the donation of your life that most counts you know what god's looking for in the church servants someone asked leonard bernstein the uh, late new york symphony conductor what is the most difficult position in the orchestra to play and without hesitation he said this second fiddle second fiddle and they said why is that is playing second chair violin so much tougher than playing the piccolo or the bassoon he said no it's not tougher it's just that everybody wants to be first chair violin people who want to be a chief are a dime a dozen People who want to be Indians are rare air indeed. And my prayer for us at the beginning of a brand new year is that you would begin to move in tune with God. That you would find how God has gifted you, how God has created you. One of the things that we do in, in our Discover Abilene class, and I love this part. On, on the, by the way, we've got one coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks maybe. And so in Discover Abilene, it's our new members, prospective members class. is on the left-hand side of the page toward the bottom. We have this little statement. It says it's right here. At Abilene, the members are the ministers and the staff are the administers. We're here to help you find out how God has created you and gifted you. And on the front flap of the inside of that little cover, there's a little, there's a little, uh, a little link. And you go out and you take that little test and it shows you how God has gifted you and created you and what your passions are. And then you meet with a staff member who then says, hey, here's how God has gifted you. And hey, here are some places where you can serve, where you'll find passion and purpose and fulfillment. And my prayer for you this year is that you will find that. One of the things that happened during COVID, and it happened at Abilene, 
is people quit. They quit serving. Couldn't even get them to sign up to serve once a month because then they might be committed to one Sunday a month. And as a result of that, there are a lot of ministries that are suffering and a lot of things that need to be done that are not getting done. There are a lot of doors that need to be held that are not being held. A lot of babies that need to be held and loved on that are not being held and loved on. There are a lot of songs that need to be sung that are not being sung and, and, and music, musical instruments that need to be played that are not being played. A lot of classes that need teachers. There's a lot of things that need to be done because God's people just quit. And I don't think this is true of spiritual gifts, but it is absolutely true of natural abilities and those sorts of giftings. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. And there are things that need to be done at this church that God brought you here with those specific gifts and specific abilities in order that you might plug in that place and find purpose and fulfillment in the ministry to God and others through Abilene. And my prayer is that this year, even starting today, that God will speak to your heart and you'll come and find one of these ministers and say, hey, I don't know exactly what I can do. Can you help me find a place to serve? Can you help me find a ministry to be involved in? Don't waste your life going through just sitting and soaking and souring. You've been saved to serve. And my prayer is that you'll do that in 2024.